This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. There's an old joke out in the atmosphere. It's been around for decades. You probably have heard it. Maybe you're young enough not to have heard it. But it's this. How do you eat an elephant? Anybody know the answer? One bite at a time. Yes. Now, I've had a lot of interesting dishes before. I've never consumed elephant. I've eaten like an elephant before, but I've never had any elephant. But I imagine if you were going to eat an elephant, and probably in Mount Pleasant, they serve liver mush, they probably have elephant somewhere on the menu. If you're going to eat an elephant, you would only be able to eat it one bite at a time. And the whole idea is, when you're facing something large and something big, sometimes it gets within us to try to tackle it and handle it at one time. I'm going to take care of it. And it overwhelms us. We try to jump in too far, too hard, and too deep. And finally, we find out it's just too much. And then the reality is we have to eat that elephant, whatever elephant we're dealing with, one bite at a time. Takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of courage, but one bite at a time. And that's how we face a new year. And again, you're probably working out your resolutions, your promises. And maybe you made a promise or you made a resolution that all of a sudden you've had time to think about that thing. And you got up this morning and said, what did I do? Or maybe you've got some issues that you're facing. Medical issues, money issues, family issues, job issues. Deadlines to meet. People to satisfy. Promises to keep. And you're asking yourself, how am I going to get all this done? What am I going to do? Well, that old silly dad joke might be a piece of tremendous wisdom after all. One bite at a time. So as we're moving into this new year, we're already two weeks into it, we've just taken a nibble at it, and we have maybe things that we don't want to accomplish personally, as a family, and as a church. And instead of getting tied up in the complex and the difficult, maybe we need to stop and just focus on some simple promises. If you're going to make promises, if you're going to make resolutions, if you're going to set goals, maybe start off simply, start off small. I remember when I was a kid, my job was to keep the leaves on the front yard and get them raked up. And I remember going out there and we had several trees in our yard and it was like a convention of leaves all the time. And I found out the best way to do that, even to this day, Of course, now I get Andy to do it. But anyway, to this day, is just take it one pile at a time. Don't worry about the big job. Just eat that lawn one bite at a time. So let's talk about simple promises this morning. And I want to try to keep this as simple as I can. I don't know about you. I'm a simple-minded guy. I need things simple. I need things easily spelled out. Because listen, the year is going. The clock is ticking. And not just in a small way. But as you look around at the culture around us, as you see the world around you, 
It says in 1 John chapter 2, 17 about our world. It says this, and the world is passing away along with its desires. Yes, the new year started. We're two weeks into it. But time marches on, doesn't it? Doesn't slow down, doesn't stop. We talk about saving time. You don't save time. Time keeps going. Just got to learn to use it right. I had more time yesterday than I did today. I'll have more time tomorrow than I do right now. And the reality is time is a constant. And it's constantly moving and grooving. It's constantly going. Before you know it, the day is gone. Everything you wanted to do, you forgot to do. You didn't do. You couldn't do. Well, that's just within our sphere. The world, it says, is passing away with its desires. This world isn't meant to be here forever. It's material. It will one day be consumed in fire, according to the book of Revelation, as God remodels it. Everything you see, everything you touch, every person you speak to, every coin you get, every meal you have, the big house, the nice car, all of that is temporary. It's going to be gone. For instance, the house I grew up in in Tampa. The only house I knew, my parents, my, my, my dad was in the military. He went to Vietnam. He went to the Philippines. He moved. We stayed. My house, as we always called it, is now somebody else's house. It's gone. Maybe some things you had precious, you lost them. Somebody took them. You gave them to somebody. The world is passing away. And here's the reality, and I don't want to be Donnie Downer this morning, but all of us, if the rapture doesn't happen, we're all going to also pass away. And our desires and our wants and our dreams, we're temporary. But notice what the rest of the verse says. It says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That is so rich and so encouraging. Because as we see our cars and our kids getting older, as we see our money come and go, as we see our health come and our youth slip away, slowly, it's good to know that there is something eternal that we can bank upon, that we can count on, and that is God and the things of God. When we do the will of God at first, when we receive Christ as Savior, we receive eternal life. This body that you're looking at, this body that you're living in, it, it, it's going to drop one day. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pass. But man, because of Christ, I will go on forever. And if you know him, so will you. Amen? Not only that, but all the work done in his name, for his glory, by his people. The Bible says that he's storing up reward and blessing in heaven. When you lead a soul to Christ, you've done something eternal. When you pray for healing or help for somebody, you've done something eternal. When you serve children and try to bring them to Christ, whether you serve students or senior adults, that is eternal. That will last forever. And it's not difficult, folks. This isn't deep theology. The reality is we need to be doing the will of God. They that do the will of God abide forever. Elizabeth Elliot talked about the word, or rather the will of God. 
The name Elizabeth Elliot might not ring familiar to you. Maybe you've heard of her husband, Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a young man, had just gotten married, was fervently on fire for God. He was so eat up with God's spirit, he couldn't rest. And he wanted to become a missionary. So he gathered a group of young men and ladies together and they formed a little team. And he was a pilot and he and his, and his guys, his buddies took a small plane and they, they wanted to reach out to tribes who had not heard of Christ. So in the 1950s, in 1956, they went to, they went and they, and they went to South America to speak to the Aka Indians. They wanted to share the gospel with them. And they landed on the beach and they began to have <clears throat> connections and communications with these natives. And the next thing you know, these natives murdered every one of those young men. We don't know exactly all that happened. But these missionaries, these fired up young men who wanted to see people come to know Christ, were viciously and violently murdered. But that, that's not the end of the story. They were able to communicate. They were able to share the gospel with a couple of the natives. And then within just a few decades, there was a thriving Christian community among that group of people. And to this day, Jim Elliot is remembered for his fiery zeal, which, yes, cost him his life, but had eternal gains. Now, his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, writing of all the story and the experience, in a novel called Through the Gates of Splendor. She said this about the will of God. Now notice, this is a woman who was widowed at a very young age for the cause of Christ. She said, the will of God is not something you add to your life. That's kind of what we do in America. We do church. We have our church thing. It's almost like we have our life split up in a dichotomy. We have churchy things over here and we have our regular life over here. And that's how oftentimes we go through life. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's frustrating as all get out when we do that. I don't know about you, but that's how I found it. The will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose for your entire life. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principles which govern the rest of the world. It's not a hard thing. It's not a difficult choice. We either live for God or we don't. You remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 about the lukewarm? He said, you're neither hot nor you're cold, you're lukewarm, and because of that, you make me sick. Not my words, his. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. The word literally means I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'll tell you what the curse of the American church is today. We're too interested in doing a club and playing Christian than we are having a church and being Christian. The will of God should consume our lives if we say that we are named in the family of God. And yes, that means you will live radically different. Yes, that means your values will radically change from those who are, who are your neighbors. And we get all bent out of shape about stuff in the church. We argue about everything in the church. But you know what I find people don't get mad about? Your neighbor's going to hell. 
your fellow students going to hell, your family members going to hell. We don't get mad about that because we play church. We aren't the church. And so God wants us to be consumed by him. And if we're going to live our lives for God, if that's something that we're really going to be in this new year, then it needs to be all or nothing. It's not hard. So we're going to talk about simple promises. If a promise is something you didn't make, but remember what we talked about a week or so ago. If you make a vow to God, if you promise, you'd better repay it. Because God's going to hold you to those promises. He's going to hold you to them. Oh, God, I just, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. God, I, I, I shouldn't have made that promise. God, no, no, God doesn't. Here's the thing. When we tell God we're going to give ourselves to him and live for him, God enables us to do that. I mean, if you were in Sunday school this morning at West Concord, we talked about the enabling and the empowering of the indwelling Holy Spirit. When you got saved, when you received Christ as Savior, God's Spirit literally came and indwells in you. You, you are now the temple of God walking along Concord, Kannapolis, wherever you are. And because of that, you and I have everything we need to be eternally successful for God. You have everything you need to fulfill whatever mission or ministry God is calling you to do. You don't necessarily have to go to seminary or Bible college, but you do have to pour into His Word and let His Word pour into you. Because here's the thing, are you serious? Listen to me, are you serious about living out the will of God or are you just interested in being a religious person who plays church every Sunday morning? Because I'll tell you, that's the curse of the American church. I've been asked, Pastor, what's the hardest thing of pastoring a church today? The hardest thing, it's not the, it's not the, the, the difficulty of ministry, it's not the administration. I'll tell you what, the hardest thing of my job, and, and if Aaron were here and Mike would agree, and any other ordained minister or church worker here would agree, it's the, it's the problem of balancing what the congregation wants between what God wants. See, the pastors, we're trained in seminary and school, and we're trained by God to lead the body of Christ to be the flame of the gospel in this world. But more often than not, the average church member, in America at least, wants to have a nice club where they can come on Sunday morning and be pepped up. The church is not a club, and I am not a club manager, and I will never be a club manager. And if that makes you mad, I'll give you the admonition a friend of mine did. You'll get over it. Let's talk about those simple promises. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. You might say, oh, Pastor, it's difficult to live for Christ in this world. And the culture is changing. They're going far left away from God. We have all kinds of perversion, all kinds of corruption. And you know what? You would be exactly right. Just in the few spins around the sun that I've been on, this place has gone, it's gone nuts. If you want to know the truth. But here's the reality. I heard a gentleman once say that we are living in the first century because, listen, during Paul's time and Peter's time and Jesus' time, the world was pretty nuts then too. As a matter of fact, just being a Christian could get you arrested or killed. The church had to meet in secret. You weren't allowed to go out and wear Christian T-shirts and Christian jewelry and Christian bumper stickers that oftentimes make us feel more spiritual than we really are. 
We weren't allowed to do that back then. The religious people hated the church. The Roman government hated the church. That's why God empowers us with the Spirit. So, yeah, it was tough then. It's tough now. As a matter of fact, it's easier today than it was in Peter's day. We did a series on this a few years ago. Talking about making our way through a world that just really doesn't like us. And Jesus told us that in John 15. Jesus said, the world will hate you because it hates me. He told his disciples that 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And Peter begins in chapter 4, verse 7, where we're going to look. He says, but the end of things, the end of all things is at hand. In other words, he's saying the clock is ticking. Now you say, wait a minute. That was 2,000 years ago, and Peter's saying that then. Yeah, because back then they believed that as well. Because here's the thing. Jesus never told us when he would catch the church away. Jesus never gave us a date or a time, and nor am I going to do that. Quite frankly, especially now with all that's going on in Israel, the rapture, the catching away of the church can happen like that any time now. Or let's say it is 50 years away. There are a lot of us gathered today that aren't going to be here either in 50 years. You and I don't know when that time for us, whether we're young or old, is coming. God forbid, but it's, it's the reality. And in the new year, it's, it's already January 14th. The clock is ticking. Things are rolling on. We've got to get moving. We've got to get going. And so Peter is going to leave his recipients with some instructions, very simple instructions. Because it doesn't have to be hard so I want to leave you with these simple instructions. He says, first of all, he says, listen, the end of all things is at hand. Clock is ticking. He says, therefore, based on that, get serious. Be serious. I submit to you today, as I've said in different ways, the church of Jesus Christ in America is not serious about the mission of Jesus Christ in America. And it grieves me to say that. And I'm not pointing fingers at you. I have pointing fingers back at me as well. Again, we get upset over the stupidest things in the world when we should be upset over loved ones coming to know Christ. And so first he says, therefore get serious and watchful in your prayers. So the first thing we need to consider doing, and again, nothing difficult, nothing hard, be intentionally prayerful. Be intentionally prayerful. He says, get serious about it. The word serious there literally means sober-minded, clear-headed, with a singular desire to communicate and seek God's face. We might throw off a prayer here. We might throw off a prayer there. But the power of the church that God channels through His Spirit living in us is evidenced and utilized in prayer. We pray three or four times here on Sunday morning. I had a person come up to me one time and said, Pastor, why do we pray so much? Honestly, I just stared at him. We don't pray enough. We need to get serious in our prayers. We need to get sober-minded. We need to take time to pray. And I'm not talking about you know, praying hours and hours on long, unless that's what you want to do. Somebody once said, Brother Mike, I've been, I spent six hours praying yesterday. How about you? I said, man, I walked through my all, all entire day praying and talking to the Lord. 
I don't know about y'all. I talk to the Lord all the time. I need to. I'd go crazy. Small things and big things. If I'm getting on the interstate, I'm praying, brother. If I'm paying a bill, I'm praying. And if I'm hearing that somebody's struggling and hurting, I'm praying. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Pray intentionally. Make it your job. If you're going to have a New Year's resolution, make it to pray with seriousness and sober-mindedness. Not only that, but he said, notice he said, not only pray and get serious and pray, but he says, be watchful in your prayers. Pray with your eyes open. Pray with open-eyed prayers. Look around you. We like being comfortable. I like being comfortable. I got these shoes on today. My wife hates these shoes. She says they just look like an old man's shoes. Let me tell you something. They're comfortable. Amen? You know, I, I, I've gone beyond uh, stylish. Stylish hurts. Have you all figured that one out? And I, I'm at the place in my life the only person I really need to impress is God, and He really doesn't care what I wear. But these shoes are comfortable. I would wear them with, uh, with athletic shorts, were I athletic. <laughs> but we need to not get comfortable in the culture. We need not to get comfortable in our complacency. We need to get uncomfortable with what's going on, how it's going on, and pray with our eyes wide open. Parents, what are your kids involved in? Social media is the bane and curse on our society. I'm on it. You're on it. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I love that I can keep contact with folks, see what's going on. But there's all kinds of junk and gossip and garbage on social media. Social media gives place for false information and foolish negativity. I'll tell you, cut it off if you have to. But one thing it does do is it lets you see all of the junk going on in the world. And listen, your kids are seeing things that you don't imagine that they are your kids and your grandkids. What about what's going on with our politics? I, listen, I have never, nor will I ever get up and promote one party over another. Nor am I going to tell you how to vote because here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you're supposedly surrendered to God and following biblical principles, then bless God, you better know how to vote properly. If you don't, you're going to have to, like me, give an account before God. So I'm not going to get up here and hawk Republicans or Democrats. Quite frankly, at this moment, I think both parties are messed up. What matters is God and the glory of God. We need to watch the world around us. Look at what our children are involved in. Look around at the churches. We get caught up in the style. We need to focus on the substance. We need to pray with our eyes wide open. Be serious, be intentional and powerful in prayer. We need to step up our game because that prayer, listen, prayer frightens the demons. Prayer defangs the devil. And prayer is the most unused resource in our day. We need to be intentionally prayerful. Not only that, but he goes on to say this. He says, as we continue in verse 8, he says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Oh, you know what breaks this pastor's heart? Is the, is the ugliness and animosity that goes on in the American churches today. We get upset. We get, we fuss because we disagree politically. We fuss. Because we don't like something in the church, we fuss about it. Because we don't like the arrangement of the chairs. We don't like the music. We don't like how the pastor dresses in his ugly shoes. We fuss about it. 
We ought to be ashamed of that. No, no, I'm serious. Listen, we ought to be ashamed of that idiocy. We ought to stop it. Because there are people dying and going to hell and they're relying on you and me to tell them. Yet we sit around griping at one another and fussing at one another. Oh, he hurt my feelings. Oh, she said the wrong thing. Get over it and get out there and tell people about Christ. I'm sorry, I'm going to preach today. And I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. We need to get serious about this. And we need to love each other. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. That's what he says here. Have fervent love for another because love will cover a multitude of sins. Can I tell you a little secret? None of us are perfect. <gasps> there are things that someone's going to do that just irritates the daylights out of you. There are things that I do that irritate the daylights out of you. Can I tell you a little secret? There are things that some of you do that irritate the daylights out of me. Sometimes on social media, I, I get too playful. And every once in a while, I'll put a little post on that says, would it bother you to know that your pastor feels the same way about you as you do about him? Oh, listen to that. Did you hear that? Ooh, what does that mean? We all have our sinfulness. We all have our foibles and our quirks. We disagree. We, we don't. But listen, we need to love one another in spite of that. Because here's the reality. I am nothing more than a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Do you know why? Because God loved me in spite of my sin. God loved me in spite of my sin. God didn't say, yeah, heavens, no, Mike Farley, forget it. He's not going, and he would be right. I don't deserve to go. <laughs> but God loved me anyway. You know, that's the most amazing thing about grace. And, so, and, and listen, if God loves you that much, shouldn't you love your brother or sister that you disagree with in the church of Jesus Christ? We don't have to agree with everything and we won't, but one thing we need to agree on is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to agree on the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission of West Concord Baptist Church is not to build West Concord Baptist Church. The mission of West Concord Baptist Church is not to have this religious club with all of its traditions. The mission of West Concord Baptist Church is to bring people to Jesus Christ. Anything that doesn't do that should be jettisoned from this place. Oh, but Brother Mike, we've done it all these years. Big deal. We've got a world that is counting on us. And we need to love one another. Because here's the thing, it's a hard job. Some of you who teach, some of you who work in our mission, some of you who work in our senior adults and our youth and our students and our children, our deacon body, God bless our deacons. Our musicians that work so hard every week. It's hard. And we need each other. The world, Jesus said again, the Jesus and John, he said, the world is going to hate you. That's why we need to love each other in spite of our differences. We need each other. I need you. You're my family. Do you realize that? I love you. You're my family. I need you. You need me. He said, because love... If you really truly love somebody and put them first, that'll cover a multitude of those sins. You'll, you'll not worry about those silly things. 
He says, be hospitable, verse 9, to one another without grumbling. In other words, open your home, open your heart, open your life to each other without grumbling. He didn't send this to a Baptist church. Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We need to be compassionate and sharing with one another. We need to be generous with one another. Look out for each other. I tell you what I love about West Concord Baptist Church, among many, many things I love about this church, is this is a compassionate, loving church. When somebody gets hurt, somebody gets sick, man, you're going to eat like a king or a queen for two weeks. Our church comes around you and, and just takes care of you. Our deacons, God blesses, I said again, our deacons, they have a, a benevolence fund where they reach out and help those members who are struggling. Praise God for our deacon body. Praise God for when visitors and guests come, this church so warmly and welcomes them and receives them. That's the, plus, that's the stuff we need to focus on. We need to be the place where people said, man, I went to that church and they were great. These are great people. They love the Lord and they loved us. We need to be generous. Listen, these are some of the easy things. These are some of the simple promises. Fervently loving, with excitement and zeal, caring for one another, being hospitable to one another, being generous with one another. There shouldn't be any fussing or bickering. And listen, if you have a problem with a brother and sister in Christ, don't come to me and tell me about it. Go to them first. Sit down with them and tell them, look, you did this, you did that. And also, if somebody has to come you, to you and say the same thing, receive it. It's hard to hear when we messed up, isn't it? But we need to do that. And that way we can either defend ourselves lovingly or we can apologize and move forward. I'll tell you what, this is a great family. If I didn't think so, I wouldn't have been here 30 years. Y'all are amazing. I love you desperately. Are we perfect? No, nor, the, nor am I. Y'all have been kind to keep me around. But we need to fervently love each other. We need to seriously prayer, be in prayer for each other in the world. And he finally says this in verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. What are oracles? Oracles are the revealed word of God. It's just a fancy way of saying the revealed word of God. If you're going to speak, speak the word. If anyone ministers, serves, let him do it with the ability God supplies. In other words, we talked about this on Sunday school. God's Spirit, when, when, when God's Spirit came and when you got saved, you were filled and, and, and sealed with the Spirit. Every believer in this room has God-given gifts to serve. Every believer does. You have one or more of these God-given gifts. You can find them in 1 Corinthians 12. You can find them in Romans 12. You can find the list of gifted people in Ephesians 4. We need to use the gift that God has given us to serve. We should never have to beg for people to serve in different areas of the church. How encouraging is it that y'all have really come through with feeding the hellfighters? That it's taken care of, man. The meals are all set. We got people going. It's going to be great. How wonderful is it every year at VBS? We have great VBS. We have legendary vacation Bible schools at West Concord. Because of the leadership and because of those people who step up to the plate. We have things that we can be satisfied and excited about. We need to do more of that. So he says, listen, we need to be speaking the word. 
communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, encouraging each other with the word. Instead of knocking each other down, we need to be building each other up. We need to be ministerially active in our lives. If you're a believer and you're a member of West Concord Baptist Church, you need to be at work. You need to be at work somewhere, somehow in this church. If you're here and you're a guest, you're welcome to come and join with us if you know Christ as Savior. But listen, we're going to put you to work. Why, Pastor? Because there are people dying and going to hell that need this church up and running. We need to be ministerially active. We need to be also not only speaking the word, but we need to be serving the world. He goes on to say that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. We need to be glorifying God so that the world can see him and come to him. West Concord Baptist Church should and must exist to glorify God. The object of glorifying God is so others can see him and come to know him. We need to be actively involved in bringing people to Christ. And yes, me and you. We just had a meeting with our senior adults to revive that ministry. The senior adult ministry needs to be actively involved in bringing people to Christ. Oh, but preacher, we're too old. There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. The children's ministry should be acti actively seeking to somehow, through kids, to bring people closer and bring people to Christ. Same thing with the students. Same thing with all aspects of this church. That's why we're here. Anything else needs to be set aside. We need to be ministry, ministerially active. The days have never been, they should never have been there, but the days are long gone where you could just sit in the back of the church with your arms folded and watch what goes on. I'll tell you, most of the people that do that, not all, but most of the people that do that are the biggest ones to complain when things don't go the way they like it. Let me say this about that. The church is not here for Mike Farley. And the church is not here for you. We need to do everything we can to make sure we give God the glory and do things His way. Are we going to make mistakes? Boy, howdy, are we. That's all right. God understands. We're human. That's one thing about, I love about y'all. Y'all are very forgiving and patient. Thank you. You've taught me how to be forgiving and patient. But we need to be ministerially active. Even if all you can do is write an encouraging card, then bless God, write it, because we need to give God the glory. Again, this is not hard, it's simple. First of all, what you and I need to do is decide we're either going to do all of God or nothing. We're either going to submit to His will completely or we're just going to walk away. Jesus said, I'd rather you be, I'd rather you be cold than be lukewarm. That's a tough, I bet that was tough to say. He said, you're hot or cold, I'd rather if you just be cold and walk away than just sit there and be lukewarm. Because the lukewarm people are the ones that cause most of the problems in the ministry. We need to be on fire for Christ. Or nothing. And that's it. If you're going to say, I'm going to follow the will of God, then it has to be with every aspect and ounce of your life. All of who you are. And to make it easy, Peter said, look, pray seriously. Just get on your knees and pray. Just pray through the day. Just pray for people. Pray for each other. Pray for your family. Pray. Pray. We need to be, listen, we need to be praying seriously as we move through this world. 
And again, by way of review, we also need to be praying as we pray seriously and intentionally, we need to be fervently loving. We need to love each other in spite of our faults and our disagreements. And we need to be ministerially active. We need to get moving, folks. There are so many people without Christ today. And if you see the world say, oh, Pastor, the world is a mess. Well, listen, we have the cure. It's not the politicians. Republicans and Democrats aren't going to make this country better, this world better. They're not. Passing more laws aren't going to make things better. I'll tell you why the country's a mess. It's because it's drawn away from God and God is drawing away from it. Intentionally prayerful, fervently loving, and ministerially active. I'm going to leave you with a verse. We're going to wind it up. And here should be what we need to be doing. Here it is. If you want to know a New Year's resolution or a New Year's direction, Paul said this to the Roman people. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren. What is the therefore? Therefore, he just spent 11 chapters talking about the wonders and amazement of God and all of his glory. He says, I beg you, therefore. Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, brother Mike, I'd die for Jesus. How about live for him? Holy, that word set apart, acceptable to God. Ooh, how do you find out what's acceptable to God? He wrote it down. It's called the Bible. Notice this last line, which is your reasonable service. You know what that word reasonable is in the Greek? As Paul wrote it in Greek, it's the word we get the word logic from. It's only logical. God is great. God is big. God has bought you with his son. Therefore, listen, serve him. It's logical. It makes sense. It's reasonable. It's a reasonable, logical form of worship. He says it's reasonable. It's logical. This isn't, this isn't difficult. So as we gather this morning, and as we are in January, half of January, West Concord, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with all of this. I want to be the best pa pastor I can be, not for you, but for God. Because I know I fail, I struggle. But I love this church. And I believe in this church. And I believe this church can be the hot spot of this region. But not through, Mike and the group does wonderful music, but it's not going to happen just because of that. We have great deacons, but it's not just going to happen because of them. You're wonderful people, but it's going to be when West Concord Baptist Church, listen, as individuals and families, we decide we're going to walk with God all the way. Let's stand as we pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What are you going to do? This time, right now, this moment, this second, here in this place, your decision right now. Because as we said earlier, life is a series of choices. Right now, we'll decide what you will be, what your family will be, and what this church will be, because you are the church. We are the church.
It's not rocket science, as we say. It's very simple, simple promises. It starts with fully and completely surrendering to Christ. Now, I'm talking to the church. If you don't know Christ, your first task is to receive Christ as your Savior. To go to Him confessing your sin. To go to Him admitting your sinfulness, that you're unable to receive heaven through your own work. And casting your faith upon Jesus and Him alone as your Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, do that. He died for you and took the blame for all that you've done wrong, past, present, and future. And He offers salvation to you as a gift if you'll just come admit your sin sinfulness and receive him by trusting in faith God will then save you but I'm talking mainly today to people who know Christ or claim to know Christ some of you have been in this church for decades some of you are in this church just a few months or years most important day of your life is today right now what are you going to do and it begins by surrendering completely to the will and glory of God will you do that Cast aside all the unnecessary. Cast aside all the junk, all the negativity and say, God, I belong to you no matter what you want, where you want me, and how you want me. I do. I, I believe in this church. I believe this church has the stuff to do this. This is a great church. You're a great bunch of people. But God wants you and I and me to be greater. So this, 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 this year, let's, let's surrender to the will of God and pray seriously. Pray intentionally. Start getting on our knees for this church, for the people, for the community, for each other. We need to love one another fervently. Set aside all the grouches and the gripes and just love each other and be patient with each other. I love y'all. Y'all, it's, I miss you when I go away. Let's love each other fervently. And let's get ministerially active. Thank you for all of you who do. There's people in this church that go the second and third mile. God bless you all. We need more. More people to do that. Not so we can build a great club, but so that we can become a a, a fire for Christ, drawing, glorifying God and drawing people to him. So as Paul himself said, let's cast ourselves upon the altar. Let's surrender once and for all and become a living sacrifice. Father in heaven, I come before you, Lord, asking you to forgive me and help me. I want to be a better pastor. I want this new year to be the greatest year of my life as a pastor. Not for my glory, but for yours. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I'm sorry. Lord, I know you love this church, and I pray for this church. It's a great church, Lord. You've blessed us with wonderful leaders and people to help. We need more. But Father, help us to overcome our flesh give ourselves to you fully and completely to do whatever you ask, wherever you ask it, and however you want us to serve. And Father, when people from the outside look in, they say, that's a church. Break our hearts, Lord. Don't give us any comfort until we make these decisions. And start with me. I ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said.
For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.